1: Jason Grimsley is with us at Living Word Chapel today, and I want to invite Jason up again for second service, and Dwayne, and if you can come up as well, Dwayne Adams, so give him a big hand as they come up, a big old LWC welcome, and one of the things that I, that I shared with, uh, with first service is one of our kind of badges of honor at Living Word Chapel is we've always been a church that is, is not ashamed for men to be men, and uh, we got real men that come, and 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 you know, real men that aren't afraid to 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 be who God called them to be, and to lead their families the way that God called us to lead our families. And so, these are two prime examples of of men that are gonna they're gonna they're straight shooters. They're gonna tell you what's up, and they're gonna do it in, in a way that's gonna glorify God. Uh, uh, Dwayne has been coming to the church for. What two years? Yes. About, about two years, and and we've really uh, uh, grown in our relationship and in our friendship. And uh, uh, one of the things that you probably don't know, some of you may know this. If you're a hunter, you know you know this. That that Dwayne Adams is probably one of the top uh, coos deer hunters outfitters in the country. And uh, he'll never say that. He'll never say that. But uh, everyone that you talk to when you mention the name Dwayne Adams, they're going to be like you know Dwayne Adams? I said, yeah. Is there something special about him? Or, uh, but uh, he's a great guy. He's a wonderful man. And, and, uh, and so it's through Dwayne uh, that we met Jason. Uh, and, and, and now, you know, Jason came and, and just really blessed us uh, first service. Um, uh, but behind every great man of God, there's an even better woman of God. And so behind Dwayne, there's Mary Adams. And so, Mary, would you stand up so we can just give you a big applause? We love that lady. She is amazing. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to start out our, because our, um, we're going to give Jason the, 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 the platform right now, but uh, we're going to give Jesus a platform, and Jason's going to use, be used by Jesus for the platform. But uh, I wanted to bring Dwayne up because I, I, I wanted you to share, Dwayne, on what has the Lord done in you uh, in the last year? And as you go into 2020, you know, you, 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 you're going into a new start. But what has God done in 2019? There's been so many big things that have happened.
0: Well, there's so many it's hard to explain, to be very honest with you. But we started at glassing lessons, and it just actually started by accident. I've been doing it for 30 years. But this year I gave 60 glassing lessons. Through a podcast that I do with another outfitter. And what's happened to that and that glassing lesson podcast, Pastor, is that it's enabled me to to talk to non-Christians, probably more than I'd ever talked. And since they come for, to the glassing lessons, they're paying attention to what I'm talking about. Probably before they wouldn't care, give a darn about it. But so when I get into the glassing lessons and start talking to them about deer, I tell them that the ability that I have is God-given. And they kind of look at me kind of silly at first, and then after I show them how to glass, they pay attention a whole lot more. And as I explain to them how God has done everything out here, that I have a God-given gift. Amen. And, and, and I, I can't stress that enough. And, and, it's, and probably in my early part of my life, I, I didn't understand that. But is that the older I got, as you're going to listen to Jason give his testimony today, you, you really realize that, that it wasn't an accident that it, I became a tremendous glasser. Yeah. It was God-given, and I thank God for it. And so the platform that I got to move on in, in, in glassing lessons and seminars that I do and podcasts that I do, that I always give God thanks. Amen. And, more than not, people will come up and, and will tell me, uh, I knew you were a Christian, Mr. Adams, because I heard you say a podcast and I heard you say thank, thank the Lord Jesus for my ability. And I think that's probably more important than anything that I can say is that I give God thanks right. f- for the things that he's done for me so I can continue to, to do what I'm doing. Yeah, I love it. Love it. And humility plays
1: a big part in walking with God, right? When we're not walking with Jesus, we kind of are full of ourselves. And Jason, you probably have witnessed a lot of that in the major leagues. A lot of
2: that.
1: Um And, and so uh, you probably have witnessed that, Dwayne, in hunting circles because everyone wants to have the biggest buck. You know that you you that's, take home and, and, right. and then you brag about that you got the bragging rights. You know I, I uh, you know I get to brag. I hang out with Dwayne Adams and Jason Grimsley, but I'm not. I'm humble about it. Right? The reality
2: it might get you arrested in states. Yeah. <laughs> with, with Dwayne you mean? <laughs> oh Butch. So
1: so the 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 awesome thing is humility has a big part to play in, in when we start walking with Christ. Now you said something first service about the humility that that the guy on my right. Uh, has and can you talk about that a little yeah, bit? And, and, and uh, when you met Jason and you didn't know that he played baseball I'm,
0: I'm fortunate enough that I've had a lot of professional athletes hunt with me in my lifetime, and I thank God for every one of them But the problem with most of them and I told Jason this is that they, they continually brag about everything They've done all their lives which they, they should but about three days of that's about all you can take and after three days of hunting with this gentleman, Michael Huey and I were sitting there, and I'm glassing, and I asked him, I said, what would you do for a living? He said, I played professional baseball. And I, I looked at him, and I went, like, in the big leagues? He said, yeah, 17 years. I almost fell over because he'd been with three years, three days, and he never spoke about it. He, ne- he never bragged. He never said he-, he pitched in two World Series and one World Series. He-, he didn't do that. So I knew right away that this was a din- different individual. And I-, I mean that because I knew right away that he had a lot of humility in him. So then I asked him the next question. I asked him, are you a Christian, Jason? And he said, yes, I am, Mr. Adams. And we became a- tremendous friends at that time, didn't we? From that time on, we started talking about all of our failures and in- that we to, to this date, to put us to where we are. And I think that's probably the most important thing. When I tell people about Jason, I don't tell them about all the, the pitching and all of that nonsense. I tell them about this stuff, about the humility that he has, that he has developed as being a Christian. And I, I, I think that's really why I think God put him with us, so that we can do things like this and, and promote God to, to the states that he needs to be promoted at. Love
1: it, love it. Yep. So Jason, real quick before we we come off the stage, what impresses you about this, the guy on my left? Not all nothing, right. nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, that, that's wonderful. The
2: fact that he tricked Mary. He, he tricked Mary into <laughs> marrying him. He did a good job. Yeah, and he, he said that. And Dwayne and I were pretty good friends until he introduced me to Butch, and then that, uh, And then
1: Butch, that that, that just threw uh, everything uh, killed, I him. I'm so glad that guy's right here. <laughs> yeah, Butch Saunders.
2: Um, no, it, it's you know it's, you know I don't tell a whole lot of men in this world that I love him. He's one of them, and uh, I, don't, I don't do that lightly. Uh, it's just the character, the the you know he's just a genuine human being. Mm-hmm. You know, and he. he you can you can tell by the the way he treats the people that work for him, his family, uh, the people that come to hunt with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's just a genuine you know love for not only what he does but love for the Lord. Yeah. And, You know, and it's 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 present. Yeah, it's awesome. Amen.
1: A real quick question: Anyone in here hunt with Dwayne? Hunt you know a part of his team? Anyone in here?
0: Uh, right here, Fred Lopez, Will Saunders, and Michael Hughes. Awesome.
1: Well, give him a big hand. Thank They're you for awesome. being here, guys. Thank you for being here. Well, without further ado, I, we want to hear what what Jason uh, has to say, and and I, I it was great first service. So uh, uh, no, prom- whatever, no promises. No, no, no promise. <laughs> there can never be promises, right? We're just going to trust that whatever the Lord has for this service, um, it's going to be right directed to them. And here's what I want you to know before I get off the stage: God brought you here for a reason. Um, he is going to speak something to every person here. Amen. That's the vessel right there. But he's going to speak something to every person who's here. So let's listen and see what God has.
2: Thank you. All right. You that? Yeah, there they go leaving me again. You know, you go hunting with Mr. Adams. He stays in the truck, and you got to go chase the thing. But uh, no, I it's just—it's—it's it's a blessing and honor to be here. Um, you know, and I, I can't thank Dwayne enough, Pastor James enough, for get, for having the opportunity to get up here and just share a little bit of of, of my life and and what God's actually done in it. And um, I had the blessing and just absolute luck. Well, it wasn't luck; it was design by God, uh, to play baseball for 22 years, uh, 16 of them in the big leagues. I got to win two world series, got to lose one. And, um, uh, as, as good as winning is, losing is just as bad, if not worse. You know, you know, you get a, you get an American league championship ring and everybody calls it the loser's ring. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun, but the the way I'm, I'm going to start there, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of of telling my story and, ri- and writing it down and writing a book. And, um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to read you guys the, the intro to my book, so bear with me if my writing's not that good, but I'm going to, I'm going to give, it, give it a shot here. Darkness is everywhere, the opaque nothingness that encapsulates my soul. I see light, I see others living in the light, enjoying moments, I enjoy nothing. I have everything, and yet there's nothing. I've made things this way, that's what it feels like, it's all my fault no one else to blame there's no way to right these wrongs there's no way I will ever be forgiven there's no way I can forgive myself hopelessness is my only feeling desperation is gone self-pity has left the building now I'm just numb I take refuge in the solace in a room full of friends and family I'm all alone my only thought is the constant pain regret is now a constant companion I'm tired of the battle I've surrendered to the inevitable I want it all to stop If this is living, I want no part of it. It feels like everyone will be be better off if I'm no longer a disappointment or a distraction. I have failed everyone and everything. I try to fake it. I try to drown it with alcohol, cocaine, anything I can take to change these thoughts or feelings. Doesn't help. It numbs the feeling for a brief time, but it never relieves the pain completely. I want to escape. I want to be someone else. I'm jealous of everyone and everything. My mind is a maze of destruction. I see the good in nothing, hope is gone. I'm at the point of no return. It's almost peaceful in a strange way, knowing what is to come. I have comfort in this finality. There's no light at the end of this tunnel, only relief. Relief from the, aware, the awareness, the epitome of nothingness. I feel no emotions, just the constant reminder of who and what I've become. I no longer recognize the person in the mirror. I cannot even make eye contact with that person. This is the end, the only end that makes sense This is where I've been. That is how I felt. That is all a lie perpetrated by pure evil, a lie told so convincingly it sounds like my own voice, the deception of the master of deception, the bondage of selfishness, the twisted thoughts of an infected mind and soul. Hate had taken hold of me, the hate of oneself. I was lost, lost to the world around me, lost to those who loved me, lost in fact to love itself. I was separated from reality, My deceived mind convinced me I was hopeless. They say perception is reality. My reality was a living hell. I had an amazing wife, family, I'd experienced success on a big stage, was part of a world championship team, had a nice home, nice cars, nice amenities, nice everything, actually. None of it mattered. I felt as if I deserved none of it. How could an alcoholic, drug addict, adulterer deserve anything that is good or right? How did I get here? Why can't I stop or control my behavior? Why why do these voices keep tormenting me? I didn't have an answer, only a solution. I wish I could claim not to remember the next part of my story. I wish that I've blacked out. I didn't. I had close to an ounce of cocaine, no telling how many bottles of vodka and other forms of alcohol after three days. After three days of trying to snort and drink myself to death and not succeeding, I made a decision. I wrote a note to everyone I love, told my wife she deserved better, told her how sorry I was for ruining her life. I apologized to my children for being a bad father, let my mom and dad know it was not their fault. I said bye to my brother and thanked him for all the good memories. I let every, everyone know they mattered to me, that I loved them. I was saying goodbye. I did the last bit of cocaine I had, drank another glass of vodka, picked up my pistol and walked in the woods. It was hot, mid-August hot. I had on shorts, t-shirt, tennis shoes, and I just walked through briars, thickets, ditches, around and over, dead trees, I wanted it all just in. I sat down for a while, the sweat dripping off every part of my body. I don't remember being hot at that particular time. I wondered what it would feel like, what I would see. Then I cocked the gun, turned it around in front of my left eye, and pulled the trigger. My eyes were open looking at the barrel. I could see the rifling inside the gun. I wanted to see it coming. Nothing happened. Trigger was stuck. There's a safety feature on the pistol, a pressure plate on the back that your palm presses down that I'd failed to press. I did not have the courage to pull it again. In that moment, something changed. I was still in a deep, dark place, with something that kept me alive. I got up and just started walking through the woods. I felt like I was invid- invisible. Animals took no, no notice of me. A copperhead snake slithered by my shoe at one point. Never seemed to notice I was there. A black buck walked within 20 yards or so of me, looked directly at me, and just kept walking. I had nowhere to go. The sun started setting. walked around for about six hours, I guess don't remember being thirsty. I do remember thinking, okay, God, what now? I just sat down against a tree. I was alive and yet dead at the same moment. By this time, family and friends and the authorities were actively searching for me. A close friend who was a constable for the county I was in found me. How he came upon me in that tree in the middle of the woods, I'll never know. God had to have directed him. I remember my cousin being with the group that was looking for me. He ran to me and grabbed me in his arms and wept. He thanked God I was alive. The ride back to the lodge was a blur. When we arrived, there were people everywhere. My wife, my children, parents, brother, cousins, aunts, uncles, friends, and people I haven't seen for years. Everyone was looking for me. I realized in that moment, I actually mattered. What I had done did not have the effect I thought it would have. Everyone was overjoyed by the fact that I was still alive. That moment was the beginning of a journey towards sanity, a journey towards self-discovery, a journey of truth, a journey of healing, a journey towards God's design for my life. That was... Thank you. Uh, that, I, you know, I, the things that I felt in the places I bought you know, it, it was... It all started about 2005. Um, my wife's little brother, I called him my little brother. We, we raised him from the time he was about 11 years old. Um, in 2005... He succeeded where I failed. He put a shotgun in his mouth and pulled the trigger, and uh, ended his life. And um, you know that that started. That was the beginning of the end of the beginning. If you if you want to look at it that way. But um, you know people ask me all the time. You know, does it embarrass you or are you when when you talk about this stuff? And I you know I just I I, I emphatically look at him and say no. I I look at my suffering and the things that I went through as as badges of honor just to, just to look at what God did for me you know I think about footprints you know there 's a man and God walking together and he 's going through his life and it 's represented by two sets of footprints in the sand and he notices that during the he looks at God it's in the the toughest times in his life that there 's only one set of footprints and he looks at God he said God why why during these times is, is there only one set of footprints. You know where are you? And God looks at me and says, "No, no, no, son. You don't, you don't get it. You don't get it. It was those times that I was carrying you. You know, in hindsight, 2020. 20, I can look back now in my life. There, there are 10, 12. I don't know how many times from the time I was roughly five years old until now that I, I, there's there's no reason I'm still here. I've been shot twice. I've been missed twice at close range. Still don't know how that happened." um been ran over on a motorcycle, ran over on a bicycle, uh, missed a telephone pole on a motorcycle doing about a hundred going through a ditch um, you know and, and at the time I, I i didn't it didn't bother me i didn 't recognize and see god 's hand and everything that that was occurring and what was going on and uh, i look at I look at uh, my struggles as true blessings. As my suffering, as it's, it's my suffering, but it's 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 God's victory, in every, in everything that, that directing me, done to this point, you know, and I haven't done anything. It, there's all a hand directing me, and um, you know, people ask people ask me quite a bit. You know, played baseball for 22 years, and um, you know, they ask me about my journey you know, and I I would, my journey started in, in, uh, 1999. There's a a man named George McGovern. He's the chaplain for the New York Yankees, for the Mets, uh, for the Giants, Jets, Knicks and Nets, uh, just a, just a great man. You know, he's, he's, he's a man. If if you have a problem with George, George does not have the problem you do. You know, he's, he's that kind of guy. And, um, in spring training in 99, he, he was a, a huge factor in, in my coming to Christ, and I'd never been baptized, and I asked George to baptize me. Uh, does anybody here remember April 25th, 1999? Does that date stick out in anybody's mind? Come on now. It's a pretty good day. I'm not going to lie. All right. Well, April 25th, 1999, I'd, I'd asked George McGovern to baptize me, and he agreed to do so in Lake Armonk in, in, uh, in uh, New York. Uh, so we show up, Andy Pettit was there, Scott Brocious, Chad Curtis, my wife, my two boys, my mother-in-law, and the uh, water's cold in April in New York. I don't care, you know, you guys know cold water, you just turn on the faucet here and it's pretty dang cold, but it's, it was cold. And I remember wanting to keep my eyes open just to see, and the, the joy that I experienced in that moment, you know, my wife's crying, I'm crying, you know, it was just an incredible day to begin with. So we have a day game in New York, so we leave directly from there and go straight to the ballpark at, um, 61st and River Street in the Bronx and, um, walk in there and it's Joe DiMaggio day. So it being Joe DiMaggio day. The old timers are in there. So I go in and I'm like a kid in a candy store. Yogi's in there, Whitey Ford, Ron Guidry, Goose Gossage. I'm just ecstatic. You know, it's been a pretty good day. I got baptized Joe DiMaggio day and I get to meet all the old timers. Well, Bernie Williams, is an incredible guitarist. Uh, he's got, actually got a few albums out. And um, I just started playing, and he he told me, he said, hey, bring your guitar. He found out I played. So bring your guitar in, and we'll I'll show you some things. I said, that's great. So we had an extra locker between ours. Our two guitars are in there. So I'm, I'm messing around, talking to all the old timers, and I look over, and somebody's sitting in my chair playing my guitar. You know, me being me. I said, all right, who's, who's sitting in my chair? Who's playing my guitar? A little ticked. I walk over, it's Paul Simon. So I get to sit down and play the guitar of Paul Simon. (laughs) So at this point, I've been baptized, got to meet all the old Yankees on Joe DiMaggio Day and play the guitar of Paul Simon. I've had a pretty good day so far. So we don't have batting practice, and there's a lot of celebrities in the clubhouse. Billy Crystal's one of them, and he's actually got a Yankees uniform on, huge fan. And he's wanting to play catch, and I look around and go, heck, I'll go play catch with you, Billy. So... I go outside and I play catch with Billy Crystal. So we're, he's messing around with the crowd, just having a good time. You know, just it's unbelievable. The sun was just, the sun was out. The sky was blue when the cloud in the sky. Temperature was perfect. So there again, I've had a pretty dang good day to this point. I've been baptized on Joe DiMaggio Day, met all the old timers, played guitar Paul Simon and catch with Billy Crystal. Pretty good day. So we're, play, we're playing the Blue Jays. And uh, we get the ninth inning. We got a one-run lead, and uh, we had a pretty good closer. I don't know if you got a memory. Mariano Rivera, you know that name? <laughs> well, Mariano comes in, game over. Now, it was the only save he blew all year long. So we got to play the 10th, 11th. I come in the 10th, pitch the 10th and the 11th, and get my first win as a New York Yankee. So on April 25th, 1999, I was baptized on Joe DiMaggio Day met all the old timers got to play the guitar with Paul Simon catch with Billy Crystal and got my first win as a New York Yankee that is what God is doing <laughs> uh, it, 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 you know it, 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 and it's funny you know in, 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 those, in those moments you know the God was so present in my life and, and just the the miracle was that I made the team and then the year that I had and, and what that led to and you know you get full of self you know, I don't know if anybody here's ever had a ticker tape parade for them, but it gives you a pretty big head when you're sitting on the float and you're walking down the Canyon of Heroes. And I got to do that twice. And, um, you know, as as that time went on, I drifted and drifted and drifted, you know, got self-absorbed and ended up where I ended up. But God has a way of humbling all of us, you know, and um, he did a pretty good job on me. He He set me down... Right where he wanted to set me, and showed me exactly what he wanted to show me. And um, you know, I always thought—I thought for a long time—that my purpose, once I got drafted, was to play major league baseball. I knew I was going—I knew I was going to play in the big leagues when I was 17 years old and got drafted. I just knew it. We walk into the clubhouse the first day, and Ben Oregon and Rookie Ball, and we're all having a meeting. There's 22 of us in there, and our manager was PJ Carey. And he said, gentlemen, I want you to look around the room. He said, one of you, maybe two, is going to get the big leagues. And when he said that, I looked around and said, all right, where's the other one? That was my attitude. (laughs) I I don't know why I knew, but I knew. um, But but looking back on it, you know, I I had such a huge opportunity and and wasted that opportunity. But that wasn't in God's design. He knew exactly what he was going to do. To get me to where I am at this point in my life today, and I, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, you know, you talk about greatest moments in one's in one's life. You know, you, you look at, look back at my career, and you know, they ask me, "What's what's your greatest memory? The greatest thing that happened to you in baseball?" You know, I could say my de- debut, September the 8th, 1989. My parents were able to go to Montreal, Canada, and and watch me pitch my first game. Uh, Pitching in the World Series, winning the game, uh, just a long, accomplished career, leading the league in holds, appearances, uh, you know, a lot of self-thinks there, um, but the gr- my greatest moment in baseball was actually game three of the World Series in 1999, but it wasn't the game. It was after the game. There's about 50 reporters around my locker. Now, I hadn't pitched in 28 days. When they asked me to pitch, hadn't faced a hitter, hadn't been on the mound, and uh, through three scoreless innings, and we we won the ball game. And they're around me, and they're talking to me. Everybody wants everybody wants to see what you have to say after something like that happens. And um, in the clubhouse after after every home game, if you win the ball game, the kids, the the male children can come in the clubhouse. Well, my oldest boy is five. He runs by waving at me. I know he's going straight to the video games in, in the players lounge, I know where he's going, and then I see all the reporters moving out of the way and looking down, it's my, my three-year-old, his name's John, and he comes over and he holds his hands up, and I pick him up and I'm holding him, and Susan Walden, uh, she's a reporter with the Yankee, the Yes Network, she's, she's, she's talking to me, and John keeps grabbing my face and wanting, to, wanting me to look at him, and I say, hang on a second, buddy, I'm, I'm, let me talk. He does it again and I say, just give Dad a second, I'll talk. just a second. And he does it again. And I say, oh, excuse me for a second. And I look over and he looks at me in the eye and he pats me on the side of the face and says, way to go, Daddy, way to go. <laughs> and I just started ball. <laughs> Might start crying right now. But that was my greatest moment in baseball, that that memory. And um, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't the money, it wasn't a, the start. I, I missed the game every day, don't get me wrong. The, competing and walking on that stage. There's one thing I told myself every time I ran on the field is I would, I would look in the stands and go, God, I love this stuff. Every time I walked out there and, and I did. But the journey that God's put me on and uh, what I think I'm truly designed for is, is to be a vessel, to be able to spread Christ and the, the glory and the love that he has for us. And I truly believe that my mess is my message. You know, the things that I count as as bad, disgraceful, shameful, He uses to bring glory to Himself and, and to His greatness, and to the love that He has for each and every one of us. Everybody in this room has an opportunity. These walls are not this church. You, me, we are the church. And we're to go out and spread the good news that Christ has to offer. We're all made in his image. Every living soul that's on this planet is a creation of our Creator and deserves that love and the compassion, except for Butch. And just, I just can't emphasize enough the blessing and the honor that it is to be up here, to be able to, to, to share. What's occurred in my life, and and the miracle that life is, and the miracle that God's plan is, you know, regardless of of the circumstances that, that I'm in, you know, and there are days I don't I don't feel it, I don't, and there's days that I'm just absolutely filled to the brim with God's love and His Spirit, and you know, even 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 though there's there's times that I run from Him, I know I know without a doubt that He's He's always there. He's proven that to me over and over and over again. The one constant in my life, the only thing that I can truly count on, is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the blessing that it, that it, that He's given me to be able to sit up here, to be able to just open up, and uh, you know, for a long time I was I wasn't able to do that uh, from the time I was. Six years old until I was ten, I was sexually abused by by an older boy that lived down the road, and it took me to the to the but hate to be able to talk about that. But in that, I, I see I see the blessing that God God designed, and something you know there was there was a song that was played during the first service that said what was meant for evil you have, you, you have turned to good and every everything that has occurred in my life is, is according to God's plan and I count my suffering as a blessing I count my family obviously as a blessing and I, and I, and I count the people that I've met because of this journey and the, the, the like-minded Christians that I have a chance to share this with and The individuals that are that are not Christians that I have have an opportunity to go out and be a fisher of, and uh, if if there's if there's one thing that that I would like you to remember is is that regardless of your situation of my situation of whatever happens, we don't know what tomorrow brings, but the one thing that I do know. And I can feel it sitting up here, and I, I, can, I can see it when I'm looking on the crowd, is that you are loved unconditionally by a father who cared so much that he took the form of a human, and not only not only that, of basically a slave and was born and walked and suffered greatly for us so that we may have communion with him, that we may have a relationship with him. And for that, I'm truly grateful and consider consider myself blessed. And it's it's been an honor to be here. I can't tell you how how humble and how grateful I am to to have been given a, a platform to share his his glory and his love and his hope. And just thank you guys. I appreciate it. Pastor James, thank you. Dwayne, thank you. Butch, beat it. <laughs> I love you, Butch. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. God bless you.
1: So we can have the praise team come up And uh, I want to close our service with some time of prayer.
0: This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.